0: Hey, good morning, Storyline. so good to be together. Yes, it's true. Somebody remade Footloose. Yes, I know. It's okay. You're not the only one who missed it. And so um, uh, though I think the original was better. Uh, I'm assuming that, although I didn't see this one either. So, um, but this is, there is one theme in this film that I think is still super interesting to me. And it's just this basic question. Do you know... How to dance? Do you know how to dance? Now, there are so many ways to take that question, right? I mean, we've probably all been asked that, like, do you want to dance? Do you know how to dance? And does it mean, are you good at dancing? Or have you been trained at dancing, like studied it? Or a lot of times, it just means, are you willing to get out there? Are you willing to get out there and dance? And if you think about it, all of the, that makes it a difficult question to answer. And I bring this up for two reasons this morning. First, because last week after the gathering, I was talking with my friend Allie, who's an administrator here at St. Joe High School, and she was telling us about her experience (laughs) chaperoning the homecoming dance here last week. And let me tell you, as someone who's done that, it is not for the faint of heart, okay? I don't know the last time that you've seen a high school dance, but it's kind of like you have to imagine a sauna, too many people in it, someone turns on some music, a riot breaks out, that's basically a high school dance, okay? So it is not pretty. There's nothing about it that's fun or nice. Um, But the second reason I bring it up is because someone asked me this question last week. They said to me, okay, Mike, I'm ready. How do I do this? Like, how do I follow Jesus? And as exciting as that is to hear that question, and it always is, it's a kind of a difficult question to answer. It's not unlike, can you teach me to dance? I mean, in both cases, in dancing and in following Jesus, you can study it formally, you can take classes, you can be trained in it, there's a book, I'm sure for dance, I know there is for Jesus, and there's there's plenty of rules to follow, but just like there's much more to dancing than just getting the steps down. So it is with making the way of Jesus a way of life. What's missing from the formalized, like step by step, like by the book, you know, rule following in both is grace. Grace is missing. So Jesus knew, I think, the difficulty of explaining What it is that he's after or what it is really that he's offering and inviting us into. And this is why there are so many, he told so many stories and used so many analogies when we look at his life. Jesus compared the life of faith in God's grace to a mustard seed, yeast in bread, a pearl, a fishing net, a king, a landowner, and fertile soil, just to name a few. He told stories about farmers and sons and fields of wheat and weeds, barns, sheep, shepherds, cups, coins, and home, all in some way to try to convey his message. And this morning, in our read through John's biography of of the life of Jesus, he's going to use yet another analogy as he struggles to teach these 12 young men who are with him in this little room in Jerusalem. And we've been looking at this now for three weeks in John 13 and 14, this week in John 15, next week in 16, and the week after in 17. It all takes place in this small room in Jerusalem. But Jesus and his 12 disciples, he's struggling to teach his disciples what it looks like, how to follow him. Essentially, it's not unlike trying to teach someone how to dance, like with and in the grace of God. But before we jump into the analogy that he's gonna use this week, I think we just have to acknowledge from the beginning that religion way too often produces like static, stoic, put this foot here and then put this foot here kind of an approach to God and instead of graceful dancers, like which I think just betrays the message in and of itself. Because we, we talk about this all the time. Grace is the unconditional love, acceptance, forgiveness, and affection of God. And just as there's no one way to dance to a song, there's no one right way to respond to grace. And yet, there is a rhythm to it. It isn't like the chaos of an anything-goes high school dance. There there is a beat to grace, a rhythm to grace that gives each of us at the same time the freedom to respond in the way that, that seems right to us and good to us, but at the same time harmonizes with God and with others so that we move through life gracefully And we interact with others graciously. So the invitation of Jesus isn't into some kind of stiff rule following. It is into following his lead, if you will. But before we can make that happen, or before we would ever allow that to happen, we have to be sure that we've been asked. You know, one of the most common things, one of the most awkward moments at a high school dance is when the fast music stops. It's, uh, and you can hear it, the fast music will stop, the DJ puts on a slow song, the kids will groan every time, and the guys, you know, all the guys go to one side of the gym, and the girls go to the other side of the gym, you know, it's like they're assigned seating or something, but here's what's happening. Everyone is secretly, like, desperately hoping someone will walk across the dance floor and ask them to dance. My junior year of high school at Lakeshore High School, my friend Jim Small was dating Karen Clem. And Jim was like, he was the coolest guy in school. He was the star athlete. Uh, Let's put it this way. When he didn't ride his motorcycle to school, he drove his Porsche. Okay, he was that guy, right? Okay, and so Karen was beautiful, she's the most popular girl in school. Now, Jim didn't go to dances because they were beneath him. Now, okay, I'm giving Jim a hard time, he's actually a really great guy and a good friend, but the story's better if we all hate him, so just stick with me, okay? (laughs) All right, so just pretend that for now, okay? Anyway, so Jim wouldn't go to the dances, but Karen loved to go to the dances. And so she would go, and the fast songs would be playing, and she would dance with her friends. And then one night, I'm at the dance. The, the DJ turns, turns on a slow song, and we all groan like we're supposed to and shuffle off to our side and, you know, watch the two couples in the middle uh, that, that are dating uh, dance with each other. And um, anyways, Karen walks out of the crowd of girls right towards me, points at me, and does this. And I was like, you know, you look around, you're like, me? Like, and of course, there's like 10 guys in that general vicinity, all hoping she's pointing at them, right? So I must have looked stunned, because she said, yeah, Mike, you, yes, let's dance. And, you know, So just to this day, telling this story, I feel like the king of the world. I have to tell you. So I, you know, I walk out there trying to be as cool as possible. And um, is it, you know, what? Can we just end there for today? I would just love to. Thank you so much for coming. Let's just wrap it up. Oh, I wish that was the end of this story. Anyway, so um, believe me when I tell you I was not the only person who was in absolute shock that I was dancing with Karen Clem. So we're dancing and I'm wondering what planet I'm on and my buddies, every time, you know, you turn the circle and I'm I'm staring past Karen at my buddies, they're like, what the, like, how is this happening, right? And so she says to me, you know, she kind of, we're dancing. She whispers, she goes, Mike thanks so much for dancing with me Jim told me you're the only guy I could dance with (laughs) because I'm no threat at all that's essentially what that is okay oh my gosh it was just horrible absolutely horrible that's the first time I've told that story in public so oh my goodness anyways but you remember you remember what that's like? The thrill of being asked to dance, the torture of not being asked. It's, it is painful to be one of the 200 kids off to the side watching these three couples dance to a slow song. For kids who are convinced that isn't gonna happen, for sure, they don't even go to the dances. That's how horrible it is. And this is why what Jesus does here in this small room with his closest followers is so beautiful. Because Jesus goes first. He understands that everything good begins with belonging. Everything good begins with belonging. And so in John 15, with his disciples, still in this small room in Jerusalem, he's going to continue to try to help them find this rhythm of grace. He's washed their feet. We saw that in chapter 13. In chapter 14, he's told them, I I want to make my home with you. I want to make your heart my home. And now he says this in chapter 15. No longer do I call you servants. for For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. See, Jesus is doing something remarkable here that is, it's really easy for us to miss. Because beyond high school dances, we don't really have a lot of situations in life where it's our role to kind of like look for who it is that we want to be with and then ask them like, will you have me, will you accept me? But in the world of ancient Israel, this was actually common in one very important, you might argue, the most important part of life. You see, Jesus was considered a rabbi, a teacher, And in ancient Israel, a rabbi's role was very clear. It was to teach his disciples to become like him. To to be a disciple then meant that you were in the process of becoming like your rabbi. And this is how that whole process started. If, if you were exceptionally gifted in every way, socially and intellectually, if you had the right connections, the best education, the coolest camel and the newest tunic, like the the most prestigious role in that society was a possibility for you. You could become a rabbi. And that process started by first becoming a disciple of a rabbi. And it was your job to search for a rabbi that you believed in, that you respected, and then you would go to that rabbi and you would say, I've chosen you, you would approach that rabbi and essentially then audition or try out to see if you were good enough to be with that rabbi. And I wanna be your disciple, I've chosen you, will you have me? It's not unlike walking across the dance floor to the most popular person in high school and in front of everyone asking them to dance. I I think we all can wrap our head around how horrifying, how difficult that would be. The vast majority of people in in Jesus' day just weren't good enough to even dream to be part of that process at all. And certainly that was true of the guys in this little room. Because in this small room with Jesus in Jerusalem, Jesus is turning everything upside down. He's calling his disciples friends. The rabbi, Jesus, then goes on to say this. You did not choose me, I chose you. It's like he's saying, I believe in you. You're in, you already belong. Now this is not how the dance is supposed to begin. These young men may not have had a lot in common, but they all definitely have this one thing that they shared. None of them were good enough to be the disciple of a rabbi. And they knew it. None of them would have dared to believe it was possible. These are not the kind of kids who would even have gone to the dance. They were the rejects, the left out, the left behind. Nobody wanted them. And then Jesus showed up. So we talk about belonging a lot here because it's such a critical, fundamental, elemental need in life. And modern science is confirming what Jesus clearly already knows about us. Everything good begins with belonging. There's a brand new book out. I just got it about a couple weeks ago. It's called Belonging, The the Science of Creating Connection and Bridging Divides. And it's amazing. The psychologist uh, Jeffrey Cohen reveals study after study that shows that when we feel like we don't belong, our world falls apart. Everything disintegrates. He writes this in one place. When our sense of belonging is threatened, even momentarily, We're more likely to feel worse about ourselves, perform below our potential, behave impulsively, see others as hostile, and lash out defensively. Look, we all remember the horror of not not being picked for kickball at recess. That's just the tip of the belonging iceberg. We, all of us, we have a deeply embedded at like the genetic level, it's biological, our need to belong. It is one of the secret powers of the human species that we can come together to solve big, huge problems. And when you're left out of that togetherness, it's a dangerous place to be. So this is like, it's, it's genetic. It's literally built into us. We have to belong. So when dysfunctional families or frenemies in junior high, or religions, when they threaten exclusion, they're hacking in to that survival instinct in us. And to that instinct that knows that we have to belong to survive. And that's why those, those dysfunctional settings can be so powerful and so detrimental in our life. And this is exactly what Jesus is short circuiting here. He's saying no, no. That's not how this is supposed to be. It's so beautiful and it's so brilliant what Jesus is doing. I hope you can see it. This is what he's doing. He's taking the risk of being rejected. You did not choose me, I chose you. This really hit home for me as I've been thinking about this a lot as, it, as this theme comes up time and time again in John. I was thinking about it a lot this last week and it really hit home for me a few days ago because our dear friends are in the process of adopting a child or trying to. And it's just this, it's so grueling on so many levels. But the hardest part, I thought I kind of understood what they were going through, at least from the outside looking in. And then this week, they were telling me that this is the hardest part is that they'll get a call from time to time and told that a birth family is being shown their profile. And then, they just have to wait and see if they've been chosen. <laughs> there, there is no call to say, hey, we're sorry, they didn't pick you. That call never comes. They just keep waiting and waiting and waiting. Hoping beyond hope that they'll be chosen And then it's off to the hospital to bring their child home i mean can you imagine the heartbreak when that call never comes i mean this is a very very special kind of i would say divine love that this family is giving out to love someone before they choose you it is to love someone in order that they might choose you. And it is to risk your entire heart in the process of hoping that this child will make your home their heart, that they will get to feel your love. So to make you feel my love that is belonging and everything good starts there this this is like the existential angst that we all have who wants me who would choose me where do I belong and this is what Jesus is revolutionizing here Jesus continues in John 15 live in me make your home in me just as I do in you The world doesn't work this way. Seventh grade cheerleading doesn't work this way. And religion certainly does not work this way. In all of these situations, it's we who are taking the risk. We're the ones who are risking being rejected for the chance to belong. But Jesus, he's taking the risk He does it differently. He's taking the risk. He's out on a ledge, and he is asking us. We all know what it's like to be exposed, to feel expendable or excluded, forgotten, set aside, passed up, not good enough to belong, left out on a ledge. I know that we've all been there, but do we ever dare to imagine that that is what God is doing, what he is risking with us and for us and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's what Jesus is telling his first followers right now, that he is choosing us first. And for these young men who've been left out and left behind to have Jesus, the person that they love the most and respect the most, the person who they want most to be like at their feet saying he wants their heart to be his home, calling them friend and then telling them, I choose you. I believe in you. This is a life-altering experience because belonging isn't a byproduct of a flourishing life. It is a prerequisite for it. It's a prerequisite. We have to have it. I was talking about with a new teacher this week. And it's hard being a new teacher. I think one of the hardest things about it is it's so heartbreaking because you just clearly see kids who have a sense of themselves, have a sense of themselves and where they fit and how they belong and then those kids that don't. And he asked me, how do we reach kids like that? The ones that just, they're like out of it. They seem totally disengaged. And then he used this phrase, the kids who are just lost and and I shared with him something that that I think I've learned the hard way people are lost when we look for them where we are instead of looking for them where they are and that's what happens and this is the beauty and the brilliance of Jesus he knows where we are He knows what ledge we've crawled out on, where we've been left out, left behind, where we've been passed over. He knows exactly where we're at, and he's coming for us. He's looking for us exactly where we are. And to learn to dance then with God's grace, to move through life gracefully and, and graciously with others begins with believing that we've been found. It begins with believing that we belong, that we're sought after, that we've been asked to join the dance. It's not about knowing the rules or even following the rules, although that's fine. It isn't about our grasp on God at all. It's about God's grasp on us. One theologian talks about hearing the invitation to, to come and belong to come forward and join the dance this way. Do we know what it means to be struck by grace? It does not mean that we suddenly believe that God exists or that Jesus is the savior or that the Bible contains the truth. Grace strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of a meaningless and empty life. When our disgust for our own being or our indifference, our weakness, our hostility or our lack of direction and composure have become intolerable. Grace strikes us not when we are at the top of our game but at the bottom. So beautiful. And in this little room in Jerusalem, the world is being struck by the grace of God. It is God out on a ledge, coming to us, coming for us, risking everything to find us. So what do we do once we've heard this invitation, once we believe that we belong, when we can hear the rhythm of grace, the beat of grace? You know, as a community of faith in the grace of God... We have a long way to go. We miss some things and mess up some things and Storyline is very much a work in progress. And yet I see God working in so many beautiful ways in and through our community. God has given us this mission and this dream that no one will feel left out or out on a ledge all on their own. And so we are trying our best to look for people where they are Not just where we are, not just where we think they should be, or how we think they should be, or where religion says people, everyone should be, but where people actually are. That is our role, that's our part to play. It's our dance, if you will. Last week we talked about um, being an outpost of God's grace, when we allow God to make his home in us. And in this analogy of dancing with and by and through the grace of God, it, it kind of means that we represent God's intention, the fluid and graceful flow of his loving intention to a lo- lonely world. So the way that we respond to grace is to represent it, to represent this dance, this rhythm. Of grace to a world that's sitting off to the side, feeling unchosen and uninvited, and representing God to them in a way that says, You've been found. We want you. You're already in. Come out here and join in. Which is why Jesus continues with things like this in John 15, I've told you these things for a purpose that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command, love one another the way I have loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. Remember the root command, love one another. I love how this same theologian, Paul Tillich, puts it. Um, when we join God on his mission to love the world right, a wave of light breaks into our darkness. And it is though a voice were saying, you are accepted. You are accepted. Accepted by that which is greater than you. Simply accept the fact that you are Accepted. We experience that as we extend it. Again, this is the genius of Jesus. He understands that belonging is not something that we can just have. That, that is not the nature of belonging. It is not a possession. It's, it's something that possesses us. It's something we cannot contain It isn't a rule to follow or steps that we make mechanically. It's something that we experience and then extend. It's like music. It's like a dance. We don't really get to get it until we're in it, until we're participating with it and we're giving it away, until the receiving and the giving of grace and belonging are no longer like two things they, they become one and the same thing i'm going to close with one last story because I, I love to talk about this every year at, at this time because we have this huge vineyard behind our house 50 acres of grapes and this time of year just before the harvest they're about to pick the grapes they haven't yet just before the harvest like the air at our house it's thick with the scent of grapes. It's like living in a grape jelly jar. It's unbelievable. It's magical. I absolutely love it. So Lisa and I will often take walks back there and in in the beginning of the year, in the spring, you can clearly see the vines like growing up, okay? And then the branches starting to grow out horizontally. they're, They're almost two distinct things. They're joined together but You can clearly tell the vine from the branches, but at this time of year, after the growth, after the maturity, it's almost impossible to tell with all the leaves and all the grapes where the vine ends and the branches begin. It's it's so amazing and colorful and aromatic, And, and now it seems like it's just one beautiful living thing. Maybe this is what Jesus is getting at here. He's using so many metaphors and analogies that I can't help but get the feeling that even he cannot find the words to explain what this is like. Now, he's gonna try one more time in John 15. This is what he says. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Make yourselves at home in my love. This is how we learn to dance with God and his grace. It's how we begin to move in life gracefully and to harmonize with others graciously, it's when we hear this invitation of Jesus and believe we belong and allow his life to grow into us and blossom through us into the world.
1: Pick yourself on up Because you can fly Like a morning dove And you were wrong when you thought you'd given up because i am strong and you are not enough and this is how the story always goes i set you free but always let you know you are still Still Set you free, but always let you When you thought you'd given up, because I am strong. When you are not enough, and this is how the story always goes. I set you free.
0: feel his love, to tell us, to show us that everything good begins with belonging and we already do. May we believe it, may we trust in it, and may our lives draw others into this beautiful and graceful dance with God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time in this place Thank you that you love us the way that you do because we're yours, because we belong to you. You don't have another reason. You don't need another reason. God, I pray that you would help each of us to believe it and to step into this great dance of life and to live gracefully and to live graciously and to extend that invitation to everyone in our lives. We thank you so much for your grace. And I pray this morning that as we leave here, you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. We'll see you next week.